Good morning, church family. So good that we can still gather online. And I'm really, really grateful for all the prayers you guys are praying for us. But I'm also glad that we can be praying for you. I don't want you to forget that you can send your prayer request even as now as we are talking through. I just hit the inbox here on Facebook and we're going to be praying for you. We love you. As I've been saying, I miss you guys. I long to be with you guys soon. I long to be with you guys in person, but up until then, we are grateful to God that He's keeping you guys safe, He's keeping our country safe, and that we can continuously be praying for our country, but also observing the wisdom that our friends uh, in health are inviting us to and obeying the invitations the government is giving us. So I'm really, really hoping you are well. Uh, we are continuing a conversation that I started uh, last week, and, and we're looking at the story, the very famous story about the prodigal son. And, and I'm trying to allow us to rethink it. Um, and, and there's a resource that I love when it comes to this conversation. It's by Tim Keller. He wrote a book called Prodigal God. If you can find your hands on it, please, 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 please. I have the, the copy, but I'd love you guys to just get your hands uh, on that. But as well, before I jump into scripture as well, we're going to be in Luke chapter 15. I just want to be thankful uh, because you guys have been so generous in this time. And as I said earlier on, I don't want us to look a few months down the line, look down to this time and say, all we remember is how much afraid we were, how complicated life was. I want us to remember that we loved hard. I want us to remember that we were generous. I want, when we remember about this time, to say yes, there are a lot of things we lost. There, there was a lot of panic, a lot of pain, and we went through some of those. Uh, but one other thing that we chose to do was we chose to love. We chose to love our friends. We chose to love our neighbors. We chose to love our cities. And, and even in ways that are literally choosing social distancing so we can drop the curve, we can flatten the curve so more people don't get uh, to be infected by the virus. So I'm really, really grateful for you. I love you guys. I'm missing you. But we're going to be in Luke chapter 15. And if you have your Bibles, uh, open Luke 15. And today I'm going to be focusing from verse 25. And last week I sat a little bit more on the young brother. This week I'm going to sit a little bit more on the older brother. And next week I'm going to just sit on the father to say, what was going on with the father? What does this father teach us? Why does Jesus trying to teach us about our heavenly father because that's what jesus was trying to uh, communicate to us and and it's going to be amazing it's going to be crazy that jesus uh, is just teaching us that the heavenly father offers the same gift to both the older son and to the younger son that the older son who thinks is i'm good I am perfect. I got this. You should actually honor me. And the young brother who feels like, oh my God, there's nothing I can do to end my father's love again. The father gives them both invitation to come into the party, to come into the celebration. And I want us to really sit on that because that's the heart of the gospel. The father paying for both the iniquities of the oldest son and the younger brother. So if you have your Bibles, Luke 15 uh, from verse 25, the Bible says, Now now the, his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come and your father has killed 
the fattened calf because he has received back safe received him back safe and sound but he was angry and refused to go in his father came out and entreated him but he answered his father look these many years i've saved for you <laughs> other versions is actually said i have slaved for you and i never disobeyed your command yet you never gave me a young god that i may celebrate with my friends but when his this son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes you killed the fattened calf for him and he said to him son you're always with me and all that is mine is yours it was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive he was lost and is found let us pray Jesus, we thank you that we can hear your word together from our homes, uh, from our phones, from uh, different spaces. We're so grateful for your love. We're so grateful for you uh, working all things together in a season. I pray that when we hear your word this morning, we'll not harden our hearts. For the sake of your name, amen. Now, I'm just going to jump right in uh, because... What we have known from last week is that the young brother was clear on what he was looking for. He was clear that he wanted happiness and he wanted a happiness apart from uh, his dad. But to get that happiness, he actually wanted stuff. He wanted the things that belonged to him, the share of his worth. So he went to his dad and said, Dad, I want you to give me what, I, what is my share. And, and his dad actually did that. So, so what we know from the beginning is that this young brother wanted to just be happy, to party, to just enjoy his life and, and just do everything uh, at the expense of the things his dad was going to provide, the good things. So he goes to the dad and he basically is clear that he wanted things apart from his dad. He wanted things apart from what his dad was going to offer. So from there we even see that it was clear that this young brother he defied his dad he rejected a relationship with his dad that was clear that was something he chose it was clear from the beginning that he didn't want anything to do with his dad he just wanted the stuff that his dad was going to give him so he was clear about his pursuits he was clear but when you keep going with a story you get to see how exhausted his life got that he basically hit that rock bottom where he had tried everything that he thought would give him meaning, would give him purpose, would give him power, would give him, would make his life interesting and fun. And, and he had hit that place. So he was exhausted. He was empty because the, his heart could not fully be filled by things. His heart could not be fully filled by things. Only a relationship with his dad brought meaning to the rest of the things he had. But apart from that, every other thing was important. Now, now, when we are getting to this part where we are reading about the older brother, what we noticed about the older brother was that he was willing to own up his mistakes. That's a, that's a gift that this kid was able to realize. But despite that, he had a plan on how he's going to own up and come to his father, which for a lot of us, we've been in places where we've hit rock bottom, of life full, feels empty and we make a plan to get to God. We make an actual plan as this is how I'm going to get to God. So he, like most of us, he 
was willing to own up his mistakes. Uh, but what he did was instead of just keeping his regret, he was willing to tread his regret through repentance to receive the gift his dad was going to give him. And the amazing thing was when he came to his dad, his dad gave him something beyond what I can even say your theological uh, desires. Uh, something beyond your theological desire, something that you cannot make sense even up to now, something that I don't make sense. Like, okay, I could have tried to be a good person. I could have done all these other things and come to God, but God gave me something better. God gave me something better. So when you understand that, that's where we were at last week. You come to this place um, that I, I would love to just even remember, remind us the thoughts that Tim Keller said that, do you realize that when Jesus was teaching this story, neither son loved the father for himself? They both were using the father for their own self-centered ends rather than loving and enjoying and serving him for his own sex. So this means that you can re rebel against God, you can rebel against God and be alienated from him either by breaking his rules or by keeping his commandments. And, and, and what we're going to unpack further is both of these guys were wrong, and everyone is wrong. Everyone is in need of a Savior. We are all wrong, but we are all loved by God, and God invites us to recognize that and to hand that over to God so God can change us. And, and from the beginning on the, the stories of these two, we see that uh, to an extent last week I talked about a little bit more how the young brother basically was on a self-discovery journey. Well, as uh, we're about to see, the older brother was more like, man, I'll obey the commands and I'll get what I still need from my dad. That he chose a different path of obedience, but not obedience for obedience sake, but obedience to get certain results. Not for the glory of God, not because the deeds are great, but simply because it adds value to who he was as a person. So we are all on a self-salvation, self-improvement mission. We just go about it different. Some go with God, some go without God. So for those of us that go with God, God becomes useful. He's not Lord, he's just useful. So as I'm speaking, I, I want to just hit that hard. Are you pursuing God because of who he is or because God is useful for the things you need? in your life for the lifestyle you need is god just a useful thing to have or is god in charge of all he made all things for himself now in this story what we see about the elder brother is that he refuses to enter the celebration so he walks into this place and hears music and all these djs are playing amazing music amen playing great music and he calls the seven and goes like, okay, what's going on? And the seven just goes, lays it down. Like, yo, your brother, whom you know well, messed up guy, came back. And dad said, come back home. And dad said, let's throw him a party. Let's just party and celebrate this person. And with that, instead of what we hear later, the father telling the older brother to say, you should have come and celebrated your brother's back who I had lost. I never was going to get him back. But the older brother refuses to join the celebration. He ignores the invitation to join the family relationship. He refuses to understand the kindness of his dad. Because to him in that moment, this was not fair. Why are you being kind to someone who 
has destroyed your reputation. Dad, who has messed up your name, who has rejected you, who did all these things openly. So the older brother refuses to enter the celebration, ignores the invitation, refuses to understand kindnesses, and refuses to respect the father's invitation. So, so that moment, he's disrespecting the father. He speaks from a place of entitlement. Remember where he's saying, I have worked for you, I've slaved for you, I've been around. You haven't even given me a God. <laughs> you haven't given me even a small piece of thing. In that moment, the father is still extending an invitation. The father is still having a conversation with him. But what he's failing to see is his rejection of the father's invitation. Just like the young brother who rejected the dad. And the other thing he fails to see is how blind he was to his own righteousness, like self-righteousness. And in this moment, instead of celebrating, he starts comparing. He spent your money on prostitutes. I have been good. Why can't you do something great? So in that moment, his whole life mission is put on the table. That I did all these things so you could do stuff for me. Not because you are my dad. Not because I love a relationship with you. Not because you are worthy my honor. Not because I love being your son. I was like, no, no, no. I did all these things just because. And, and you keep seeing in that process that he's getting almost a little bit more angry. He's a little bit more angry with his father. And I just want to pause and say, sometimes our anger towards God is rooted in our elder brother mindset. That the reasons why we are angry at God is because God owes us. We have been good. We have been good. So, so my question now is like, how can we recognize if as members of this church, as Christians, as people that are living here on earth, if we have an elder mindset, an elder brother's mindset, how can we recognize that? How can we navigate through that? You are living as an elder brother if God exists for your needs. If God exists for my needs, the only reason I obey him is to get things. An older brother don't obey God to get God himself. We use God to get power and control. If the only reason you are a Christian or you're pursuing God is to have God meet your needs, then you have to rethink. Because you're not pursuing God, you're pursuing the things. You're not pursuing God. And God's invitation is for him to be enough in your life whether you have things or you don't have things. It's for God to be all-powerful whether you have things or you don't have things. You know you're an older brother. You know you carry this older brothership when you are angry when life doesn't go their way. When life is not going your way, you get angry. Now, this is a reality of life. And, and I've heard so much about come to God and God will bless you and God will give you all that you need. No, dude, can I say that? God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we think or can imagine. In that, it means literally that. That he's able to do all things together for our good. And sometimes those things are not comfortable. Sometimes those things are quite painful. Sometimes those things mess us up. And for a lot of us who live as older brothers, we don't understand suffering. We 
uh, our faith is completely destroyed every moment we get to be in a place where we are suffering. Why? Because our whole idea of God is God owes us a better life because we're living up to his standards. That God owes me good things because I've been good. I haven't been like those guys drinking, those guys smoking, those guys sleeping around, those guys lying, those guys destroying other people's marriages. I haven't been like that guy. So God owes me. So when life is not going as fun, we can't handle suffering as older brothers. So we get to be in this whole community where all of us are going through the season where it's COVID-19 and there are a lot of things that are happening, a lot of painful, brutal stories that we keep hearing. And, and when God is just there to meet my needs, my whole life is angry right now because God owes me a better life. I can't get sick. I can't. I have faith. I have all this other thing. And you put a bunch of other people at risk. Our inability to handle suffering is because our obedience is only motivated by results. We obey God to get. Not because God is good. Not because God is all-powerful. Not God is all-loving. Good life is lived not for delight in good deeds themselves, but as a calculated way to control my environment. Tim Keller put it in an amazing way. That that's why we do all this good stuff. Because God owes us. God owes us. Older brothers redefined sin. Sin, according to the Bible, is just beyond just doing the bad stuff. It digs deep even into the intentions. The Bible even calls that our righteous acts are filthy rags. They're empty. Our good works cannot save us. That's why we need a savior. And, and older brothers are most distant, but they are, it's not obvious that they're distant. Because a young brother clearly left, like it was clear, the young brother is not around. But the older brother, the older brother was, a, was present, but distant. Why? Because they don't see their need for a savior. Because they don't see themselves as a sinner. Because sin is just, if I break those ten things, while well, God digs deep, that you were born in sin. You are eternally separated from God. All the brothers redefine sin. The fourth thing, all the brothers feel superior. And that superiority is simply coming from their performance, their moral performance. They're better than, they're elite. So their entire lives is lived from uh, competitive, literally competitive uh, comparedness. I don't know if that's even a word, but all I'm trying to say is they live by comparing their other friends and making sure that they're competing with those friends when even those friends don't even know they're competing with them. All I'm trying to say is, older brothers find their eliteness, find their perfect tribe, find their perfect theology. They know their perfect doctrines. They don't believe the wrong things as those guys. Therefore, they are superior. Their whole identity is not in God. It's on what they're able to work towards, what they're able to figure out, and what makes them a little bit more different. That's their superiority. Now, the problem with that 
is when you take that person and put them in the church, and you take the older brother, put them in the church, the, older bro- the young brother cannot stand the church. Because like, I'm a sinner, I can't handle, I can't be here. Therefore, I'm not going to come in church. Well, the other brother goes like, yeah, you don't come to church because we are the serious ones. We got this figured out. We got this is working and it's powerful and it's great and all these other things are happening. So you tend to have churches that are not attracting the young brother because those churches are full of older brothers. But the sad part is that older brothers actually don't have a relationship with God. It looks like everything is right. They're present, they're not distant, they're doing all the rules, they are actually slaving for God. But they're not in a relationship with God. They're not pursuing God, they're not enjoying God, they're not trusting God, they're not loving God. They are just there to do stuff so that they don't have an actual relationship with God. Just like God, I'm doing stuff for you, you don't have to check with me, I got this. But when it's a time for me to check, on what you are supposed to give me and you don't give me, I'm not going to show up to that party. So if you even are carrying a church head, I don't want to underestimate it. But I just want you to start thinking about, are you living as an older brother or you're the younger brother? Because next we're going to talk about the actual better way. That is the gospel. That is the good news that we find in Christ, our true brother who completely carries the iniquities of the older brother and the younger brother and completely lays down his life for both so that we find meaning and we find our identity in who he says we are and what he has done, not through what we are doing. And that is a really important thing for us to understand. So I was talking about how if a church is full of older brothers, it becomes toxic. If society is full of older brothers, it's toxic. If your organization, if the government is full of older brothers, self-righteous people, people that are leaving and finding our identity by saying we are better than, you know what happens? We create a culture of hate. Like when I think about classism, when I think about racism, that's just older brother stuff. A bunch of people finding our identity by thinking they are better. Not just unique, because we are all unique God made us, we're beautiful in his image. But no, 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 that is not enough. We are better, we are improved, we are 2.0. Because they're only better if others are lower. That's racism, that's classism. That's what happens. So there are Christians that are serious, and there are Christians, come on, those are guys that they go flood, come on. They go to Baptist, they go to Antioch, they go to the, 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 the we are better, we are better, we are better. They are not. When we tolerate the older brother to keep being the older brother, it creates an unforgiving spirit. Because older brothers are so perfect, they hold things against those that seem different. To them, it's not, we're all sinners in need of the, of the Savior. It's like, they are big, crazy, major sinners. We, we got it figured out. We can keep our sins private. <laughs> they got it. We are better. So they hold things against those that seem different than them because they don't see themselves as self-centered and they don't see the grief they cause God. So when we are living as other brothers, 
there's a culture of hurt in a country, in a city, in a church. There's very unforgiving people in a family, in a church, in an organization, super unforgiving. And, and, and the sad reality is like, as humans, we are trying to get back to creating life where we have raised standards so high, but we have redefined what sin is. So what's ending up happening is a lot of us are exhausted because uh, the penalty for sin was already paid, but we've taken it upon ourselves to create standards where people are actually paying for the sin. So what's happening in the world is there's zero kindness. When someone makes a mistake, we destroy them, we make an example of them. We don't allow them to be human and to grow. And, and even with painful, complicated things. And this is not a small conversation, but I just want you to have a moment and make sure in that moment you are seeking justice. You're not just trying to be an older brother. You're not just pushing your way through stuff. When we are like that, we create cultures that are uh, growing hate and we give space to unforgiving spirits and at the same time we create a judgmental culture because as an older brother I am spotless so my spotless record gives me the right to judge and be highly offended by the people that are messing around people that are messing around are you judgmental because your life is spotless because you feel like you have the right to be offended by the other things other people are doing. That's an older brother. And I wanted to finish with this, as I'm wrapping up, that the older brother not only creates a culture of head, an unforgiving culture, and a culture that's so judgmental, the older brother creates in himself a deep insecurity. Because our whole identity is based on their performance, not on Jesus. Their whole lifestyle is based on their spiritual achievements. Who they are is based on how, what they have achieved as Christians. Their performance is simply everything. Not Jesus. Not how loved they're by Jesus. So for some of us that fail to forgive ourselves when we mess up, even when Jesus says you are fully forgiven, even when Jesus says I have forgiven man, and that is the past, the new has come, even in those moments when Jesus says that, and we still go like, no, I can't forgive myself. Is it because your whole identity is based on your performance? That your performance trumps what Jesus has done? That your performance is way more important than Jesus going to the cross. It's Jesus at the cross, on the cross, plus what you can do. Because my friend, that is living like an older brother. That is a lot of deep insecurity. And I want you to think about that. That are you basing your entire Christian walk, your Christian life, on what you can do? What you can prove you can do, how holy people think you are, or everything is hanging on who Jesus is. Let's pray. Jesus, help us to love you. Help us to know that we're truly and fully loved. Help us to see the free gift.
the salvation you have given us. Not based on our works, but fully based on who you are. May we live as loved people. Because we are loved by you. Amen. Love you guys. Hope to see you on Sunday and on WhatsApp as well. God bless you.